Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us inside of the Facebook groups. Go to HyperClean Specialist when you're on Facebook. Great way to interact with there. A lot of conversations today coming out of the specialist group. And Nick, I'm diving into Voodoo Ranger Juicy Force IPA. Another favorite that we have a regular here is a new Belgium. I did experience a nice, well, it was fruity as you like to make fun of me. I do enjoy some fruit beers. This was like high C type uh, fruit. I mean, did you ever back in the day, I imagine you uh, you ever do a little, on, uh, no? No. A little high C and vodka or a little... I see. I mean, I guess if I was in a pinch, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 here's what I think's interesting. All you IPA guys that talk about how you're like, you know, I know a lot about beer and then you're drinking stuff. That's like Boone's farm. I mean, it, what, what a way for it to come full circle, huh? <laughs> oh my word. Dude, the headaches and the horrible hangover after Dude. that shit. Oh. I mean, you guys are drinking mad dog 2020 and being like, wow, voodoo Ranger really did something here. <laughs> Good call. Good Wild. Call. All right. You should have used that for your buy and sell, but you can't. <laughs> You've already used it. So, all right. Uh, you'll get to buy and sell. Which one are you going with? Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to buy. Uh, I, I, I finally realized probably my most enjoyable part of driving around. And, you know, I think we all check out cars and different things like that when we're driving around. And, you know, I live in a city where Lamborghinis and Ferraris and all that stuff kind of drive around pretty consistently. I know a lot of people have that in their city and some don't. So seeing those, unless it's something really special, it's just kind of whatever. I I'm buying now, seeing these cars that I kind of grew up with that were nondescript cars. You know, uh, one in my area that I keep seeing is an Isuzu Rodeo, two-tone hey. in perfect condition. I mean, it's in perfect condition. Uh, I have a two-door Tahoe that I continue to see. I, I've actually told you about that one. That That's what I'm buying is these cars that were sort of nondescript that somebody has just taken pride in. Maybe it was something they bought at, you know, after, after they had a little bit of money and they just, hey, this was a car I used to want. Now I got a little bit of money. I'm going to have this car and I'm going to make it pristine. But they're not like special cars, right? They're not like things that you and I would look at and go, wow, that guy really you know, took a, took a vintage Ferrari and did some, it's the nondescript cars when I drive around now that I'm buying is like these cars that we all grew up with that you go, Hmm, that's pretty slick that that guy kept that random car in such great shape or, you know, bought it for himself and has now gotten it back into great shape. So that's what I'm buying this week. There's always that guy that actually did keep the car. Right. There's always that one guy. Yeah. I actually think that's probably what it is, right? Like that most of these cars you see, like the two door Tahoe, there's a really good chance that guy's always owned it. Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe got it near new or got it used in the nineties and then has just owned it ever since. But yeah, it's, it's, I, I've actually been enjoying that a lot more because like I said, I mean, you just don't see it. You don't see no. like a 1999 Azuzu rodeo in great shape. You just don't see those types of things. And you don't hear those stories. You usually hear the, well, there's this one that I had, and I know I never should have sold, right? Yeah. So to, to hear the guy that never did sell it is, is, yeah, it's is great. awesome. It is. Uh, all right. I am selling 
and I'm selling because I didn't realize I was part of a game. Uh, and that's what I'm selling, I guess. And it was a game uh, that I enjoyed playing. I did not realize when I was a little kid, I got Mike Tyson's punch out and I got a Nintendo and I didn't realize I was in the middle of a big battle. My buddy, Jason, he got, uh, he got uh, uh, Top Gun, which interesting, he went off to NASA. I'm like, well, what happened with me? I didn't become Mike Tyson. I don't know. I thought that's the way it was supposed to go when you were a kid. I did do pretty good at track and field. Anyway, this weekend, watching some games, in between the games, and there was a documentary that comes on. There's a documentary of how Nintendo had 95% of all console market share in the U.S. in that early 90s and late 80s. And it was the story of Sega then starting to compete. Do you remember what was so unique about Sega when they popped? I Once they showed it and they talked about it, I laughed hysterically. And I was like, yeah, I hated those commercials because I was on the other side. But it was still so unique of the people that came in and ran the marketing. You remember what it was? Sonic the Hedgehog? Well, Sonic is really what took them out, right? They had to compete against Mario. You're right. But the commercials, do you remember the Sega? Sega? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I just do, completely I do took over. And once you hear, you go, ah! Oh! Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, like they did so good at doing that. So anyway, I, I'm selling that I didn't know I was a part of this massive game that was going on. I was just fucking having a blast playing video games. But to hear about the wars that they had at expos, having fights, like Sega was so aggressive going after Nintendo's market share because 95%, then they eventually took them over, which was pretty cool. But now you go. And it had three buttons. You remember that was like the random thing about Sega is their controller had three buttons on the right side, right? An A, B and a C, I think, or whatever. X, Y, and Z. Theirs was that they were 16 bit instead of eight bit, but yeah. Yeah. You know, but the controller was different. Yeah, no, it was now, uh, you know, and even going through PlayStation and Xbox, that used to be a bigger, bigger rivalry than it is now. It's just sort of like people pick what they like now and they just move on. So as you say, yeah, now it's because then it was you, you, you bought this game could go on this console. Now yeah. it's whatever console system you like. Most games I think the last one was like Halo, right? Remember when Halo was only uh, Xbox and that got a lot of run, but like Call of Duty and stuff that's big now, that's on both platforms yeah. because those are independent companies. Yeah, it's, I, you know, I have a PlayStation 5. I just realized this. I have a PlayStation 5. I've never turned it on. I just I just talked to my nephew. He's like, I, I think I'm actually going to send it to him because uh, I just have no need for it. I don't even know why I got it. I thought I was going to play Madden or something. I just, I don't know. I never did. So, you know, I got I got to find a better use for the PlayStation 5. Has there been a 5. game? Like for me, like, was there ever a game that you just blew off time with? For me, it was Tiger Woods. When Tiger yeah, that Woods was a good, that was a great out, game back in the Bay. Oh yeah, the the you day. just got your buddies together. We all drank beer, hung out of the house, and, and you know why it went Woods. away? It didn't go away because of its popularity. Remember, he had that scandal, that sex scandal, and so EA Sports was like, "Oh, we can't make this anymore." I'm like, "Really? That seems kind of stupid." You know, now they've tried to like kind of bring it back, and supposedly it's great again. But uh, I look at it. And the game for me, yeah, Tiger Woods would have been up there. Madden, uh, you know, any kind of boxing game, Knockout Kings, those types of things, you know, that were just like fun, quick games. But yeah, there was a, actually a game called NFL Blitz. Mm, uh, yeah. I don't know if you remember that, yeah. where you could like body slam people and stuff uh -huh. like that. That was fun. That was kind of like during college for me. So, you know, if you were just like drinking beers or whatever, you know, put a few bucks on the game. Yeah, I mean, 
video games were a lot different when you had to have somebody in the room playing the game with you, you know, because then it would get heated. You know, you're sitting on the couch next to each other and you're going at it now that it's online. I mean, it's definitely better that way, but you know, I think you lost a little bit for me, uh, just playing with your buddies. Golden eye. Did you play? Golden yeah, that was big. Yeah. That was Nintendo 64. Yeah. 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 That, that, was, that was good. All right. So fun stuff out of the specialist group is really been people that have been taking some risk. So this is, this is what's really cool of some stuff that started to pop out of the specialist group. Mark working on his, his first polishing of his vehicle. You, you've been there. I, I've been there, right? Most of us have been there when we we're having this doubt of like, well, I mean, I, I, I think I can do it. I, I think I can do it. Then he finally gets out there and does it, which is, Super cool. You also got uh, Randy who picked up a, a Z3. He was looking for something else. He was commenting yep. about, you know, stuff he's learned from you. Saturday's episode, multiple people talking about, you know, hey, you know, seeing prices that were so high now they're coming down, like grabbing a lot of stuff and information off of your Saturday episode. The cool part about what's seen inside the specialist group is the people that are taking the risk. However, Nick, there's plenty that we know that are inside the group. They're kind of sitting in the shadows. They haven't really posted inside the group. They haven't really taken the risk to, to get out there and do exactly what they wanted. That could be a, an open-ended thought, right? Like whatever yeah. it is that people want to do, some just don't do it. And there's different opinions on why they don't. You and I, we, we toss this back and forth, which is why we find it fascinating is, is it, you know, the way you were raised, it was, is it the way that you think, is it what you watch, is it what you listen? I mean, there's, there's so many, uh, you know, things that could go into it. Let's toss that back and forth because people are going to find themselves in both camps. What holds them back from just doing something, whether it is they yeah. want to do. Yeah, worried about the opinion of others is probably the number one reason, right? Could be your friends and your family, could be, you know, people inside a specialist group. I think one thing we've we've tried to say here a lot of times is the specialist groups is, is really positive. You know, I mean, it, nobody goes in there to kind of beat their chest and, you know, we don't really have that. And guys go in there to share stuff as well as ask questions. And, you know, when you look at it from a business perspective, you know, it's a little different, right? A lot of people get, you know, they don't have the wherewithal to go forward because of their circle of friends, their circle of, of family. You know, none of those people really know what owning a business looks like. So they tell you, oh, you know, just go get this job because owning a business, that's not for you. Or, you know, so they have. Has there been any friends and family? There's times when my family sure. has has pushed their views of what I should do. And, and this is where I wanted to dive in because most people just go like me, uh, okay, dad, right. Or okay, mom, or okay, sister, or okay, aunt, yep. whatever you want to fill into that blank. Okay. Grandma, you might know what's right, but then you look under the hood and you go, well, maybe that person hasn't run a business. Maybe what I'm doing in business or what I'm doing in my life, what I'm doing in my car life, it might not feed exactly their views. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, no, I, I think you're exactly right. I think when it comes to business, you know, number one, you should always listen to somebody that has the wisdom, you know, whether it's a family member or a friend, you know, you got to 
50 year old uncle. He's been fairly successful in his career, but what if he's a police officer? You know, he can still be really successful. Police officers making a lot of money, you know, especially, you know, I got a few in my family. They, they do really well. Am I really taking their business advice? No, because they're not in my neck of the woods, right? They're working for a city. They're working for a state agency, whatever it may be. And I got to realize that's where their advice is coming from. It's very limited, right? Their, their, their advice is from this very small view of how, you know, I'm going to get a pension and I'm going to, you know, I got these great benefits and yeah, man, I mean, that's a point of view and you should listen to it, but it shouldn't be the thing that stops you from taking a risk. Right. And here's the greatest thing about auto detailing. It's not really that big of a risk. Hmm. You know, let's just say on the high end, I'm going to use a number. You put 10 grand into a business. That's not really that much, much risk in the business world. When you consider there's businesses risking hundreds of millions of dollars on an unproven idea, right? Think of the Ubers of the world that went like, you know, a zillion dollars in debt. To, to, to run Uber. And it's really never been highly profitable even, even now, right? Think of Amazon the same way. Uh, you know, so it is risk. I mean, $10,000 is still some money, but in the scheme of your life, $10,000 isn't going to be that much. And we know most detailers start with way less than that, right? So that's the number one way to look at it is number one, the industry we're in isn't a super amount of risk. So if somebody's telling you the risk you're taking all the time, Eh, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Now that doesn't mean go out and be, you know, a half-assed business for 10 years, you know, in auto detailing, you should be fairly successful inside the first 36 months because it's a pretty easy business to get off the ground. Uh, but you know, when it comes to the risk conversation, yeah, man, I've had family and friends and, and, and people offer their advice, but I always ask the same question. I'd say, you know, this is pretty good advice. Are they at a place that I want to be? right? Is that the person I look at and go, man, the life that they have is the life that I want. Then you may need to take their advice, right? Because they've gotten someplace you want to go. If they aren't, and that's not a bad thing, you just go, okay, I'm going to blow it off. But you hear a lot of relationships ending because guys uh, MFing at the dinner table because they're giving a little too much advice and they've had enough. So I just kind of blow it off, right? I listen to the educated people in my life the best I can, but I know not every piece of advice is, va is valuable to me. Blowing it off. Is that a skill? Is that something you <laughs> have to learn? Um, I've shared it on here. One of my biggest things that screwed me up in business and probably in life for quite some time was my temper. Uh, you know, it, it, it was destructive. I mean, it really was. And, you know, that, that's, that's as honest as I can be about it. I think blowing it off, some people are born with an ability to do that on a higher level. You know, they just kind of go with the flow and they're not going to let things get them rattled. Uh, some of us have to learn it and, and you got to find out which one you are. Uh, I definitely had to learn it because it just wasn't ingrained in me, right? Like that wasn't how, that's not how I, I am as a person, but now, yeah, I blow off a lot of, a lot of people's opinions about, I mean, dude, when you do a podcast, when you put out, when you, when you put out content, let me tell you the number one thing I never thought of two plus years ago was all of the opinions I was going to be getting. Right. And we never talk about it, but, but we've done okay at this. Okay. Just, just know that we've done okay at this and we have a lot to get better at. I understand that, but the amount of opinions I get now from people that are older, younger, 
same age who've never done anything like this, it's Marty. I mean, you've known, you've been doing this a lot longer. I mean, there is a ton of opinion about what works, what doesn't. And the vast majority of people have never made a successful podcast. So where do you draw the line on listening to those people? Because you may like them and you may say, Hey, this guy's got pretty good advice, but you know, podcasting as a small microcosm, there's a small number of people that would even be able to give you valuable advice because it'd be very difficult without doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I also had to learn and I had to learn from making mistakes and learn from listening to some people and fumbling down and regrouping and also learning to understand, like you said, look at what their history is, who they are. Should their opinion even hold any weight? I'm with you. But on hold that. on. That I, means you you can still respect them. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. It's not about a disrespect thing. It's just, it's the compartmentalization of, is this valuable information to me in the moment? And this is kind of what we say about detailing training, right? I'll throw this to you. It isn't that I have anything against any of it. You know, pay your money, go. But if it's not working for you, going down with the ship seems a bit silly right? You got you to kind of back out and say, hey, I took this advice. It wasn't good advice. Uh, it didn't work for me, I should say, would be the, the, the proper way of looking at it. And you just move on. And that can happen with your friends, your family, your loved ones, business associates. We've all gotten bad advice, all of us. And that's why you got to be, you know, again, we kind of beat this drum to death. You got to be really cautious of who you listen to. And, and that doesn't mean disrespect. That just means I got to tune that part of our conversation out. And the other 99% we talked about was really great. And then I think most people after they've, they've either listened or not listened to somebody and they've gone through some things, what then holds most people, in my opinion, what holds most people back then is their internal doubt, whether it's, oh, they yeah, listen yeah. to somebody in the past, whether they've done something whether they failed at something, it doesn't matter. There seems to always be this checklist that goes on. Listen, myself included, it's a struggle that I think most of us all have is when you fail, then this next time around, are you going to fail again? And, and to put some people into perspective, and as I, I think you can start to see it. So there's a quote that I heard years ago from Zig Ziglar, and it said, uh, timid salesmen have skinny kids. Yeah, the, there the, you go. <laughs> when, when you're trying to learn sales, you have to get over your failure very quickly because yep. you might hear no, 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 but you're always looking for that next yes. Seven no's to a yes. Seven and, no's to a yes. And most people, when they're in, D, in when they're in sales, they can't ever get over the nose or the failure. Or when there there's this idea of what they're wanting to do, and they they go, ah, "I should really do that," but I haven't done well at this other things in the past, so maybe I won't be able to do it. Well, it's also becoming more process oriented, right? Stop thinking of you know this is a tough thing for me to do, but I'll share that this piece of when things you know kind of got better for me. Number one, none of us know if any of it's going to work. Mm. You know, Jeff Bezos didn't know if it was going to work. He just thought it might work, right? And look where he started, selling books online. 
you know, it's, it's a little different at Amazon these days, right? His life's a little different. He's like jacked and 50 years old with a young girlfriend and a billion foot yacht. Hey man, things worked out, but make no mistake. You know, what we're doing at HyperClean, what I do at VR, what you've done in business, nobody knows if it's going to work. That's the, to me, that's the most freeing way to look at it. Like, Hey man, I'm just going to do the things I think I need to do process wise. And we'll, you know, there's no blueprint, right there. This isn't building a building, you know, that, that here's the step, here's what you do next. Here's what you do next. Here's what, there is none of that. So nobody really knows if it's going to work. What you, what you got to get obsessed with, in my opinion, is the process of waking up and working every day and taking in the information and then making a good decision and then taking in more information, making another good decision to the best of your ability. But make no mistake, anybody that tells you they knew something was going to be a success, none of, it, none of us know. You, all you do is you just put your head down and say, I'm going to do the best I can at all times, and I'm going to see what happens at the end of this thing. And, and you know what? I'm going to take a lot of lumps on the way, but I hope my good outweighs the bad, and I'll just kind of move on with it. And that's the part, if somebody goes to a job, again, you know, uh, a teacher, a police officer, a contractor that works for somebody, those are, those are great things to do. Yeah. Right. They, what they don't know is the ups and downs you're going to go through. And so they can't really explain it to you. And so when you go through it, it isn't a nine to five, they're in a nine to five atmosphere. They're in a set a number of time to go to work. And so that's where I found the, the, the advice to be the most off base is because if you start listening to those people, you're cutting your phone off early, missing out on business opportunities. We we've even heard of, you know, guys who weren't in business that long who go home and shut their phone off. Hey man, th th this ain't the state job, you know, uh, that's why you may not listen to those types of people is because they just don't understand what it's going to take. But let me tell you, man, I, I never knew if any of this was going to be successful. I mean, I just put my head down and said, I'll, I'll figure it out. But if I didn't figure it out, I was going to go get a job. I mean, what, there really isn't that bad of a failure part of it. You know, you can always go get a gig, you know, that's the way I looked at it. Yeah. All right. Well, an interesting thing that came out of the community pub this past week. What well, maybe it was this weekend, right? How many people were posting photos of enjoying our hyper clean pint glass, enjoying a, a cold beverage? We uh, we'll go ahead and disown Dustin for his Bud Light when he was looking at. Uh, what I mean, can world? you disown somebody for a Bud Light when you're drinking Fruity Pebbles beer? I mean, I I don't know how this works in the beer community. Like I said, the IPA guys have kind of ruined it for a lot of us not understanding beer anymore it's like oh i got this manly beer here it's fruity pebbles i'm like what how's that work mm. <laughs> dustin he owes you right, there we go. <laughs> all right so but what was fun about uh, the discussion that came out of the 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 pub that we had this past week was oh well, what role does a detailer fit into, I guess, in a sense, because there's a lot of detailers that love to express their opinions. They love to tell other people about what they're doing and who they are and why they're so great. And a lot of it we talked about, it is kind of beating your chest and it's, you know, it's, it's great to, to let everybody know about how great we're doing. But it does create a little odd situation though, at times where you and I look at let's, let's look at some videos that we've seen or some people that we question and we just care. What's well, interesting why they would want to put that out when there really is, you mentioned a blueprint a second ago, there really is a blueprint for detailers and 
there's a blueprint for people that are passionate about their cars to be able to learn and coexist with each other in a sense. I, yeah. I love that idea. And we've all seen, let's talk about stickers on the back of a windshield, right? The, yeah. the coexist sticker of the fish. <laughs> even the other of star, course. Right? Like, is there a coexistence in a sense of detailers that could be passionate, quote unquote, passionate about their process and what they do. And they could have a, an expression point to be able to, to put out how great they are. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the most that, that I like seeing is I like when guys share their process of, of, of why they do something, uh, not so much, you know, the final result or, you know, some reflection shot or whatever. I mean, those are cool and all, but I think the one thing that we see working in the content world is just explain to somebody how you clean a tire and a rim, explain to somebody how you clean door jams really well, explain to somebody why you did something on the center console of an interior. How do you clean glass? I mean, the list can go on how you hold a polisher, uh, why you choose this polisher, why you choose this, this way of operating this polisher, uh, those types of things I think are super helpful in the car community as a whole right? The rest of the stuff really holds very little value because what we're all trying to do is take care of cars better, right? I mean, that's kind of the, the, the ethos of getting into auto detailing is you always want to take care of the car or perform, perform a service on your own car or a customer's car at a higher level. One of the things that's taken over detailing content, and we've kind of had a chuckle about this behind the scenes, is just people reviewing product nonstop. That's kind of become, so the leg up for the professional is, hey man, you know, get a brand you believe in or don't or whatever you want to do, but share your process, you know, talk about why you do things a certain way. I think it's extremely valuable and, and probably not even close to enough of that content, right? Like not even tip of the iceberg on the amount of that kind of content that should exist. Because again, what it's usually about is, oh, I got this BMW. I got this in my shop. Check out the aftershot. We're all kind of guilty of that. Uh, you know, if you go look at our content, you do a great job with this is you know, how to put on hyper clean dose, how to, you know, what to look for. And those things are valuable. And, and, and again, we've kind of see our customer base grow based on the more we share a process of doing something. And I think you've said it is, I mean, go look at some of the greatest YouTube channels, the largest ones. Yeah. They, they had the amount of views that they have around processes and what they do. And if you as a detailer that's your passionate, quote unquote, about what you do, how much more beneficial than to just talk about the process of how you do it? Yeah. Hmm. And again, break it down into minor things. You don't have to sit here and say, I'm going to make an hour long video about how I detail the exterior. That's a pretty big undertaking. With short form content, Marty, you and I have talked about this. That's the dominant thing on the internet. And, and, you know, you've stated this for a long time for guys about TikTok and reels and all these different things that were coming and are now here. Hey man, do a minute and a half on, you know, cleaning up some windows and really explain why you do things your way. We had another, you know, inside of one of the posts, then there was some comments inside of our specialist group where the comment was made. They've been inside of a local car club, Facebook group and sharing these type of things and having incredible, well, interactions and forming whole new relationships. And there's 
I listen, every single person wants to be a part of something. That, that's really what one of the core foundations of us as human beings and finding your quote unquote, as we like to say, community, finding your group of people many times is sharing things that people like. If you like cars, you like, you know, the process of cleaning cars. Why should a detailer, right? We got to ask this question. I'm going to go ahead and preface it. Why then should a detailer go talk to somebody that likes to clean the car themselves? That does seem like a strange thing to say. And I, I want to go ahead and preface that, right? Because it does seem odd as detailers many times, which we've said, Nick, we say that, well, these type of people don't want to use our service. There is overall a community mindset of becoming a specialist in your local area mindset of how you can grow the overall idea of detailing. Yep. Having the products to be able to sell it if you want to become a hyper clean distributor is a great way of making sure that that's beneficial. But overall, this this idea that as the tide rises, so do all ships. Because do we want to take a look at We've said manual transmissions versus automatic transmissions versus now going into electronic cars and battery operated cars. Is there a bit of a detailer who's a manual detailer and then a quote unquote car enthusiast or somebody that likes to take care of their cars? They're actually a little bit on the same page. Yep. They're actually on the same team. If you want to look at it versus another group that also cleans cars, but it's done with automatic and it's done with machines and it's done with operations. Hmm. That creates a whole nother different talk is our car washes and detailers actually in competition. Well, I I've had a different point of view on this because I've built a very, very large maintenance business. And what you're doing there is you're taking people out of the car wash scene as a whole. You're saying, hey, this isn't the right way to maintain a vehicle. We have a better way. Come into our uh, fold and give them an experience that's nothing like a car wash, right? And so my clients don't think about the local car wash. I don't think detailers have taken it seriously enough to say, the more people I get out of the car wash scene, the more money that's in my pocket, the more my business grows. So do I look at them as I drive by a car wash and get mad? No, there's going to be people that want to pay $5 for a car wash. I understand that. There's also a segment of the population that's going to that car wash because they don't know any better. And there's where the information lies. There's where the money lies is that not everybody who drives a Range Rover going to the car wash wants to do that. The vast majority of successful people don't want to be sitting in a tunnel wash. In fact, that's just a fact. They don't want to spend their time doing that. I have several clients I've shared on here. They don't even want to gas their vehicle. We charge them to gas their whole collection of cars, family cars, wife's car, kids' cars, their cars, the whole nine. They don't want to do that. So again, competition to me is the wrong word, right? It is in competition. But here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to take everybody I can out of this cycle of taking care of their car in a poor way. Okay. If that's what detailing supposed to be, 
then you should be trying to get as many people out of the car wash scene as you can. Yet all we ever hear on the other side is, well, you know, uh, if they're going to go to a car wash. They're not for me. Well, I don't know. Many of you fix cars that come from the car wash. So isn't that the same thing? It, that's exactly what I was about to say. So this is, it becomes, as you start to really dive through this discussion, some listeners might've blown it off for a second, but as you start to dive through it, then you got to ask the question, right? Because if time is one of our most valuable assets, right? It's, it's the most depleting asset that we have. Well, depleting resource, right? Cause it's not really an asset. It's always depleting. How much time do detailers spend talking to customers and, we see it nonstop that they're complaining about, oh, this customer went through a car wash and they're they're trying to do this paint correction. And it seems like detailers always do want to battle car washes though, because the amount, listen, I had a post that I saw a little bit ago. It was last week. And I mean, this guy took some time. He had the old photo of the, the vacuums at the car wash. He had the lava lamp. I mean, he had everything in his post. Yep. And, and he was going to massive description of why his customers, this isn't the only one, other dis- detailers and anybody that's listening oh, inside yeah. the, yeah, the car it's, it's, world, they, 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 they see these. They, they see it. And they, okay. Well, is that valuable? I mean, so it's valuable if you're trying to do- get them out of it. Right. So if I bash the car wash, and I say the car wash is to blame for for everything going wrong in this customer's life. What is my what is my solution to that customer then? I'm here to tell you something, man. I have a bunch of customers. None of them, if I didn't exist, they weren't going to wash their car. So that isn't viable. That's why I always laugh when people go, "Oh, I put on this uh, twenty five hundred dollar coating, and now I'm explaining to the guy how to go wash his car himself." I'm like, how does that go together? I mean, just think about it logically. Somebody that's going to drop twenty-five to five grand on on detailing services. This is the same guy that's going to stand in his driveway every week and properly maintain his vehicle. Because let me tell you what my experience is: for the guys that come in here and drop ten grand on a PPF, they're like, uh, "Yeah, so how are you going to take care of this?" They're at a level; they're not going to be out in the, in the one hundred and fifteen degree heat taking care of their car. So that, to me, has always been. The thing that nobody wanted to say in this industry is like, hey, man, I'm all cool with the big tickets. Let's put big tickets everywhere. We all make more money. Uh, the problem is you then get mad that the person went to the car wash, but you didn't have a solution for them. This has been the block I've been on for years. It's like, dude, the reason I can charge what I can charge is I can make it so my customers never have to think about their car. Can you say the same? That's my leg up. My customers don't have to think anything about their car. We'll do everything. I'll take it for an oil change for the right price. I mean, I it doesn't matter to me, but I'm there to make their car experience on an elevated level. Putting a coating on a car and then just saying, this guy shouldn't have gone to the car wash, I don't see where that's solution-based at all. Yeah, because you said, if I don't have a solution, I basically shouldn't really be talking about it. That becomes the ultimate reason for somebody to be in business. Right. We go back to some of the basics, core one-on-one basics of business, have a solution for somebody. So in a sense, if I see somebody putting out, you know, whining and complaining about the car wash, now listen, I, is this a big reason why I don't consider car washes a competitor of detailers? Is because you know what? Because I like to smoke barbecue. Does that make me a competitor of the local barbecue restaurant? Good point. It's a good point. Yeah, no, but here's the thing. It's two even different levels. You, 
even you, if you tell a, me yeah. you're a level guy right there's two different levels yeah. i've seen i've owned a car wash i know the revenue i know what it it's so massively different and that's yeah. the point that i want to talk to detailers when they want to put out this like nobody inside the car wash world is talking about detailers ever ever they, they, they don't even, and, and I don't think it ever happens. It doesn't happen even at, at the car wash show. Uh, they don't use the word uh, car detailer. They may have a detailing part of their car wash. That's maybe. About, those are maybe. long. Those are yeah, old. Those are moving. But those here's the thing. Old. The truth is you're exactly right. You got one group that's obsessed with the other group and the other group doesn't know the other group even exists, right? They've actually they, run away from it which yep. is almost a point. It actually gives detailers or those that like to clean their own cars. It, it gives you a vantage point because oh, yeah. this giant is no longer servicing these type of people. It almost becomes some of that Sega Nintendo stuff, right? Like oh, yeah. there's a whole market of people that are unserviced. Oh yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm telling you, this is what we identified. Didn't know that this is what I was identifying, but this is what we identified. The vast majority of people don't want to spend their time going to a car wash. I don't care how close it is to their house. Very few cities that have any real population. Can you go from your house to the car wash and back in under an hour? There's an hour of somebody's time on a Saturday. They don't want to do it, right? They don't want to do it on a Wednesday. They don't want to do it on a Sunday. They don't want to do it. You know, you, you were around when Blockbuster was around. You <laughs> went to rent a video. That was an hour and a half excursion if you lived in a city with population, right? Sometimes now, I didn't go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Be like, ah, nah, we'll just watch what's on TV. And even then there wasn't that much on TV. It's not like today where you can just push a button and find anything. And so there, there's always these examples. And look, man, you can even either capitalize on the market inefficiency of car washes, or you can bitch about car washes. They're incredibly inefficient. Here's what people don't realize. Car washes are extremely inefficient because you're still asking the person to do most of the work. I don't care if it's just sitting in your car. Remember, they got to drive there. They got to stop there. They got to pay there. They got to sit in the car wash. Think about the world today, man. Nobody wants to do that. And you know how you know this. Near my house, they just built, there's a chain of car washes coming in. Somebody made some investment in some. They have like, Marty, I want to say 100 vacuums. You know how many times I've seen those vacuums in use? <laughs> I'm dead serious. Never. They're never in use because you know why? You know why they're free? Because those people know oh, the vacuums will never get used. Yep. Okay. It's just like the gym membership. You know why it's $10? They know you're not going to show up, right? That's the planet fitness model. They know these people aren't coming here. We know 10% of the people are going to use the gym. We know 1% of our population is going to get out and vacuum their car. Here's the greatest thing, man. It's a huge market inefficiency, the car wash scene. Good on the car washes and the money they're making. I got nothing against it. But my whole thing has been, do you want your time back? Do you want an elevated experience? Do you want your car to be properly cared for? Do you want to see how great your car can look every single week and every day you drive it? I mean, we get a little bit of rain here, and I mean a little bit. And my phone has two or 300 messages on it of like, can you do my car a second time this week? Can you do my car more? I mean, I've shared them with you. You've seen them. And I go, once they understand and elevate, and mind you, I'm not charging $25. We're in the triple digits. And I got people asking me to come out multiple times a week. So you want to think that there's no money in it? I'm all good with it. 
you do what you think is right for your business. I think the part that I would question is why do so many people say these things about car washes and then have no solution for their customer to avoid the car wash and stop telling me that most of these people that you do business with as a detailer want to wash their own car. If that was the case, they wouldn't come to your shop. Bingo. Nick, love it, man. Great end of the episode. There's nothing really bad. I mean, absolutely. Thanks so much. Have a great week. See you. Hey, community. That was a great episode. I bet you you're somebody that saw that line get kind of drawn. You go, yeah, I guess manual to automatic cleaning of a vehicle. Yeah, I could I could work with people inside of the local Porsche club, the local Mercedes club, the local Volkswagen club. Yeah, I like, right? And you can start to journey yourself down through there. And I, I think you should. How can you begin to work with those else that enjoy what you do professionally and or as their hobby? How do you grow and continue to climb? I suggest that you go to hypercleanstore.com, fill out the form, and let's talk about distribution. Being able to use your expertise as knowing somebody to clean cars, processes that you do, how you like to then interact with others inside of car shows, car clubs, and you see that others that enjoy also manually cleaning cars, yeah, This is the type of people that I would love to continue working with. Go hypercleanstore.com, fill out the form. Let's have a discussion. I think it's a great spot for you to be in. Hmm. This is Marshall. I hope you make it a great day.